Hello and welcome to That's What People Do. Uh, you're joined by me, Ryan McGowan, and on the line with me is James Kay. As always, how are Hello. you? Hello. How are you? I'm good. I don't know why I answered that with a question. I'm very well, thank you. How you are you? You answered the question before it was even answered, just like... <laughs> no, I'm all good. Yeah, I'm all good. Um, it's because we spend so much time conversing before we actually hit record, so we, we've been through this, like, genuinely... Yeah, that's one thing that I never realised until we started recording podcasts ourselves. I've I've recently been listening to like the Guardian's Football Weekly, and they always go like, "Oh, welcome to the, the podcast." And we've got like, um, we've got Lars Sivertsen, and he's like, "Oh, hello, Max," and and they do like the whole "Hello, how are you?" and stuff like that. And then I'm like, "Oh, they've done that already." Like, and then uh, now and then they drop the ball. They've been sat there for an hour beforehand just talking and. Like mm. it throws me off. Because it'd be sometimes. weird just to enter the room in silence and then just not say a word until you're recording. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, right, so we are at part two of the story of the murder of Sylvia Likens. Uh, we have we had a wee bit of a gap. So last week we spoke about uh, philosophy, God, Plato, and the like, and we liked to have confused our brains for a sec. Uh, we needed a break from it really because this story is dark. Okay. Um, so we're now back with a part two so shall we just crack on yeah uh, absolutely first what we will do um well right okay yeah so here's basically i'm now gonna go on script all right you can tell when i'm not and when i am on script <laughs> so we had a break uh, from the story last week uh, because honestly i need a break from it more than anything uh, we spoke about some truly dark shit on this podcast, and I'm not ranking our stories in order or anything, but this story with the child abuse involved is up there with some of the most fucked up shit that I've had to look into. Now, the part that gets me in the whole story, in all honesty, is the why. What I cannot understand is why Gertrude, in any way, felt that she could do this stuff. But we will try to maybe analyse it a bit more as the episode goes along. So... Let's quickly take a moment to summarise part one. Now, Lester and Betty Likens. They work for a roaming carnivals selling drinks and bits on a stand. They're not overly keen on having their younger daughters, Sylvia and Jenny, with them at the carnival and usually put them up with a neighbour or family member while they're away. Now, this time, they leave Sylvia and Jenny with Indianapolis local Gertrude Vanachewski, Although, relatively recently, I have uh, seen this surname pronounced differently as Banachevsky, which I think is how it probably should be said, but I've been saying Banachewski. What do you prefer, James? And I shall go ahead with it for the rest of the episode. Who said Banachevsky? Where did you hear that? So, I've been saying Banachewski because that's how I assumed Americans would say it, because there's quite a few Polish words that have a W in it, which should be pronounced as a V, but a lot of Americans say mm. with a W. Uh, right. But there's a film about this um, story, and they've been saying Banachewski. Let's go with that, then. Let's go with that. Should we go with Banachewski? Yeah, go for it. Good. Hopefully that comes out when I say it, because I'm looking at it, and I've been saying it for a little while the wrong way, maybe. But anyway, I shall carry on. Now, Gertrude Banachewski and her seven children, uh, Indianapolis locals, Sylvia and Jenny, have been staying with them. Now, Sylvia and Jenny got on with the Banachewski kids relatively well. Sylvia and Paula, who is the eldest of the Banachewski kids, would hang out quite often with her. And although there were moments of excitement and happiness, things began to get dark quick. Now, what the Lycans' parents didn't know, since they didn't want to intrude, on the place that they'd be leaving their children, which is absolutely fucking ridiculous to start with, was that there was no cooker in the kitchen, just a hot plate to warm the food. The house was in a dire state, there wasn't enough beds in the house for all the children to sleep on, and Gertrude would often just sleep on the sofa in the living room. Food was scarce, a couple slices of toast for breakfast, no lunch and soup for dinner. The kind of diet the Tory government wants to dish out to every child in the UK. <laughs> so nap. Yeah. Then, Lester Likens, his $20 checks to Gertrude for looking after his two girls came late. And this is where the abuse started and where we left it in part one. So, let's crack on, shall we? A few days on from this incident, the Likens' parents came to visit the girls in Indianapolis. They did this now and then, coming down in the weekend and spending half an hour or so with the girls before heading off again. 
Now, the girls never mentioned abuse upon the first instance, unsure why they were being beaten for their parents' apparent failings, but it wasn't brought up for some reason. Now, if you will remember, in part one, I mentioned how the kids would often go to the park and collect empty soft drink bottles to then resell for pocket money, right? Mm -hmm. Now, on one occasion, Sylvia had been doing this and had a few pennies jingling around in her pocket. Now, when her kids, Gertrude, when her kids told um, told her what had been happening, Gertrude punished Jenny and Sylvia for loitering around the shops and stealing, which of course is not true. Now, both Jenny and Sylvia got whacked on the back with a paddle that, when I looked it up, I can only describe it as looking like a mini cricket bat, literally. Apparently, it's called, apparently it's called like a fraternity bat. But it, as right. for UK listeners, it just looks like a cricket bat, but miniature. And often, the punishment... Like a paddle kind of thing. Yeah, like a massive paddle, right? Uh, and she would often get cracked around the back with it, right? Um, now, this punishment became a recurring punishment it usually was a hit to the back but sometimes sylvia got hit across the head Uh, and sometimes when gertrude's asthma was playing up because remember she she was a heavy heavy smoker but also severely asthmatic which makes no sense at all uh, whenever her asthma Mm. was playing up she would have paula do the beating for her which paula would do without argument anyway so, now, another beating was incurred when the Benachewski kids accused Sylvia and Jenny for eating too much food at a church-sponsored dinner. Now, this got the girls another meeting with the paddle. Now, at this point, what I'm going to do is I'm pretty much just going to rattle off the kind of abuse that Sylvia received throughout her time at uh, the Banachewski household, uh, obviously with some Love context it. added here and there. So... <clears throat> In August of 1965, the Banachewski kids were playing around asking questions about Sylvia and Jenny's moving state to state at carnivals. Sylvia recalled a time at Long Beach, which is in California, where she had a, quote, boyfriend. The, you know, the, it's the kind of boyfriend you had at school where it didn't really amount to anything. Like, for instance, um, I don't know if this like if, if you shared this at all, James. I had a girlfriend for all of a morning at school before then being told that we were no longer boyfriend and girlfriend during morning break time. I remember that. Heartbreak. Yeah, her, I think her name was Claire, right? And Claire with her friends, I think I was walking down like a science corridor or something, and they just went, oh, uh, Ryan, you're now Claire's boyfriend. And I was like, oh, okay. And then they just carried on walking away. <laughs> I was like, okay, I now have a girlfriend. And then at break time, they come up to me and went, you're not her boyfriend anymore. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Like, <laughs> what a whirlwind yeah, whirlwind relationship that's not on that, that was that was year seven for me like that was like i don't know year seven that's like i expect you to say like year four no, year seven no that was year seven so i'm like i, I was 11. for american listeners uh that's like ryan would have been 11 11 years old i was 11 years yes, old, so i think that's middle school isn't it i have no idea how american school works i think you've got like what three no uh, do you have primary school America? I don't know. I know you've definitely got middle school, which I, th- I believe is like seven, you're seven to eight for us. And then there's high school. Because then they always go on like, what is a sophomore? What's a sophomore? I, I listen to, I watch films all the time. And then people are like, I'm going into my sophomore year. And I'm just watching like, yeah, I have no idea what that means. Isn't a sophomore like, it's, it's the, it's, oh, I have no idea. It's like a, a new, a new starter or something. Like if it's your first I think year. freshman's the. Oh, freshman. Isn't that freshman? Yeah, freshman's that. Oh, who knows? Why do you got... So I get that one because we've got freshers at uni. I understand that one. What is a sophomore? And what is it when you're leaving? Are you just a, a high schooler? A, a senior? I don't know what the... I know the seniors. Why is it so complicated? Do you know what it is? I know why it's complicated. It's because uh, back in the day, you know, America was just so trying not to be the UK in any way. <laughs> like, for instance... I mean, fair play to you. Like, yeah, but... It, it was a good aim to as have. As far as I'm aware, I believe this to be true. You know the reason why Americans spell colour different to us? They don't have the U in colour. Right. It's because um, there used to be a tax on the amount of letters when you would like print words out onto paper. Um, I think it was like a stamp tax or something like that, they called it or something. Um, and so the, the Americans got around it by just spelling the words differently. Shortening the words. Yeah, so they were like, colour, well, that costs so many letters. Well, if I just take that letter out, it still reads the same. And it costs me less yeah. money. <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. I quite like that, to be yeah. fair. 
<clears throat> so Gertrude overheard uh, these comments about a potential boyfriend back in California and asked Sylvia if she'd ever done anything with the boy. Sylvia was unsure on how to really answer the question, so she just shrugged her shoulders and replied, I guess so. Saying she'd gone out skating with the boys, that she'd been to the beach with the boys, that kind of stuff, right? Now, continuing her conversation with the Banachevsky kids, she had mentioned that she'd once laid under the covers with her boyfriend. Now, again, this could be nothing. Like, I remember like being like a really small kid and just like laying under the bed covers, but like we were hiding, but still under the covers. But do you know what I mean? It's it's nothing. It's nothing. It's just kids being kids. Now, again, this pricked Gertrude's ears, and she asked why Sylvia would do that. Sylvia replied, I don't know. And Gertrude didn't press the matter anymore. So, you know, Sylvia would be forgiven for thinking that Gertrude had forgotten all about it. But she hadn't. See, a few days later, Gertrude brought it up again by telling Sylvia that she was starting to look a little big in the belly. Now, Sylvia, unaware of what exactly it was that Gertrude was hinting at, replied jokingly, yeah, it sure is getting big. I'm just going to have to go on a diet. Like, she had literally had no fucking idea what she was referring to. She just thought, maybe I'm getting fat. And she's like, oh, okay, yeah, sure I am. You know, she's mm. just, just a kid, man. She's 16. Now, making her point really hit home, Gertrude then told all the girls in the house that they will get pregnant if they ever did anything with a boy. It's like, um, have you seen Mean Girls? I have seen Mean Girls, yes. It's like the gym teacher in Mean Girls when he says, don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly yeah, what like, Gertrude's good. pretty much doing to these girls. She's like, like well, mainly it's Silver as well, but like, none of you have sex. None of you do any of this because you will fucking die. In the meantime, <laughs> her daughter Paula, 17, is fucking like three months pregnant, sat down there at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Um, so... Next to the beatings that Sylvia had endured with the paddle and then being told that she's pregnant, you know, surely that is psychological trauma, but it's nothing that Sylvia can't really handle. It does seem throughout this whole process she's a quite tough cookie. She's like, she doesn't tend to cry so much about these punishments. Uh, if, if like, Jenny, her sister, is taking a punishment as well and she can see that Jenny's not going to cope with it anymore, she will take the punishment for her. Like, she's a very, very resilient, strong young woman. Um, mm. But, yeah. Well, for reasons unfucking clear to me, Gertrude full-on kicks Sylvia in the genitals for this when talking about the fact that if you have sex with or do anything with a boy, you will get fucking pregnant. She then just Seems in reasonable. front of everyone kicks, kicks Sylvia in the genitals. And I cannot understand why. Then Paula, who herself is actually fucking pregnant at this point, goes in on Sylvia, attacking her as well. Now, punishment like, seems a bit unnecessary. Oh, the whole James, honestly, the whole fucking thing is unnecessary. Like there is no escalation. It's just boom. Now you're being attacked. Like there's mm. uh, half the time it's there is no there is no sort of like build up to, at all. Like Sylvia could literally just be talking to the girls about any fucking thing and then Gertrude would come over and just like kick her in the privates. Right? It's awful. Now, punishments like this usually stopped when Gertrude uh, said so, claiming that she'd now learnt her lesson. Now, Paula actually broke her wrist once, attacking Sylvia on an occasion. And at church, when asked how she hurt herself, she bragged how she had done it slugging Sylvia's jaw. And she actually told one woman that she, quote, tried to kill her. Now, this woman didn't think anything more of it. She just thought she was just a kid being stupid, saying stupid shit. But obviously... Paula's got some malicious intent behind the words she's actually saying. But imagine actually punching someone and hard enough that you break your own wrist. Mm. Now, Paula's broken wrist did little to stop the attacks from her. She would often use her cast to actually smack Sylvia around the face, which would often cause her to bleed as well. Now, Sylvia was later denied food by Gertrude. Not that there was much to eat anyway. But later in August, when money was becoming stretched, there was only enough milk to satisfy the baby in the house and the kids had to actually start taking turns while eating their dinner of soup because there were not enough spoons in the house. There were only three spoons in this entire house. And now the kids are taking turns to eat the dinner. This is like, there's nine kids now trying to feed themselves. Right. And then later on in that month of September, 
two of those spoons went missing. So now then there only became one. Um, now, one spoon? Yeah, one spoon to satisfy all those kids Sounds in Sounds like house. my fucking second year at uni. It literally is uni, isn't it? <laughs> and your mum comes in and she's like, have you not got so many forks left? We literally bought like two packets of 16 with Asda when you moved in. So like, I have no idea. When you go to uni, you go there with so much stuff and you come back with someone else's bowl and a teaspoon. <laughs> yeah, spot on. It's like when you're at secondary school, like year seven, you've got like a backpack full of everything. You're like bare grills for s- academics. And then like year 11, you, you're scrabbling around for a pen in your exams. I'm still the same now. I always have like a loose pen in my rucksack just in case. You never know when you need a pen. Oh, no, I didn't. I was always that person who was like, you ain't got a pen, have you? I, I never had like a pencil case or anything. My pens were always just in my blazer pocket. Mm. And when oh, one yeah. light popped, oh, nightmare. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, it got to the point where everything was in the blazer pocket. Yeah, blazer pockets were absolutely TARDIS. You could fit anything in a blazer. Again, mm. Americans won't get this because they don't have uniform, which I think, I don't know, yeah, has yeah. its pros and cons. But blazers had their perks. There was a lot of pockets involved. Lots of pockets. I used to be able to get all of my lunch in a, in my blazer. Yeah, same. Do you ever have a? Do you have Pasta King at your school? Uh, yeah. Well, I, 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 I was before Pasta King as well. So Pasta King came in oh, when wow. I was in like year eight. Uh, right. At school. Okay. So I used to be able to get like a portion of chips, two cheeseburgers, and a can of Pepsi Max, all in my blazer pockets, and I'd just be like wandering just around loose. school eating. Yeah, just loose in my pockets. Right, no, that, like that, obviously that's... in packaging. Oh right, I was gonna say. Otherwise, that's just a that's just a mess. But I had a friend who actually went home and like unstitched some of his pockets so it was loose enough to fit a pasta king pot in there. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> well, very talented. We were well fed kids at school, but unfortunately, the Spanischewski kids are not as well fed. Now the kids mm. would actually turn on each other over food. One day, Sylvia was bought a sandwich by her older sister Diana, but one of the Spanischewski kids saw and told Gertrude. Um, it's, at this point, I want to take a second, right? Um, so far, I've been explaining and detailing a little bit about the fact that Sylvia has been abused, punished, kicked, punched, smacked around the face, all this sort of stuff. All the meantime, she has an older sister of 18 literally living around the corner. Why does she not Who live she... with her? Yeah, that's weird. That's the bit I cannot understand when Lester Likens, in part one, is trying to find somewhere for his daughters to go live, why doesn't he go to his oldest daughter and say, look, Diana, can you look after the girls? I don't get it. Maybe there was, like, I don't know, a bit of history there, or they didn't feel like she was capable. I'm not sure. I mean, granted, she was divorced by this point, but still, I mean, she's lived... She's, I, I, I don't know what her living arrangements were, but, however... Um, the the thing with Diana, the sister, uh, she buys them a sandwich, um, and she gets told that they're being punched and abused and whatnot. But she just thinks they're exaggerating. She literally thinks that the girls are exaggerating and doesn't think anything else of it. I mean, she does go yeah, to the house on one occasion, and she's like, "Can I see my sisters?" And uh, Gertrude says, "No." She's like, "No, I've been told by your parents that um, I'm not allowed to do that." And she just walks away, and she's like, "Okay." You know what That's I mean? Such a big shame. You'd feel so like, wouldn't you? How guilty would you feel like if you were the sister? And you find oh, out. Oh yeah, you would never be able to live the rest of your life without thinking about it. Yeah, and also like, I'd like to point out as well, um, throughout all of this, and it it doesn't really get it doesn't get mentioned in the film that is based on this um, story, and I don't see a lot of people talk about it. Those that I have found who do talk about it, um, the parents are relatively around during this period of time as well. Like, as I mentioned, they come back, like, once every couple, few weeks. Um, mm. And, sure, they hang around for, like, 30 minutes to an hour. But the girls never, ever mention to them that they're being abused. Nor do the parents ever spot any kind of abuse on their children. It's... Mm, yeah, maybe, like, some abusers are so... I don't know, I don't want to use the term good at it, but, like... You know what I mean? They'll, they'll oh, like they hurt people hit. in a way that it, it's not obvious. <laughs> so, like, the bruises will be covered. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean it is a real shame. Um, now, because uh, the Banachevsky kids have told Gertrude that Sylvia has now been given a sandwich that was bought for her, 
Sylvia now had to be punished for her gluttonous ways, is as it was put. Gertrude had picked up some hot dogs, and along with a neighbourhood boy who was now around the house, they forced Sylvia to eat these frankfurter-sized hot dogs, which are obviously very, very long. She forced her to eat all these hot dogs, and these hot dogs were absolutely covered in condiments. All of the kind of condiments you could think of, like all the spices, all the sauces, Mm. mustard, ketchup, all of that. These hot dogs were like, you couldn't even see it was a hot dog. It's just a fucking mess of like condiments. And she was now being forced fed these to eat them, being like, oh yeah, you want to be a gluttonous like wench, blah, 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 eat these. You know, like when like, Mm. if like parents, those parents who catch their child smoking and then make them smoke an entire crate of fags, that kind of thing, right? She's now like, that's her way of punishing her by force feeding her these frankfurter-sized sausages, right? Mm. And again, the, the Banachevsky kids are just like sat around the table. That It's almost like being made a game for them. So like, oh, make sure you load up these sausages. We're going to make Sylvia eat them. Like, they've become a game, which is the scary thing. Yeah. And I think that's Probably how... Like psychological torture. Yeah, that. I think that's how a lot of these kids, as I'll detail, especially later on, how these kids get involved in this. It's made into a, like some sort of game for them. And that's why they don't see it as being as bad, mainly because mum's doing it as well. And obviously your, mm, your parents are yeah. like gods to you when you're growing up. So if they're doing it, it must be normal. But anyway, naturally, um, event, naturally Sylvia is not going to be able to keep any of this down. She does vomit back up these fucking hot dogs and all the condiments that come with it. Um, but that's not enough. Gertrude then forces her to eat them again as punishment still for that. She's fucking awful. She's 16 years old, man. Shocking. Yeah. Now, Gertrude beat Sylvia purple when she accused her of having had hamburgers when she had not. She, like, said, you've been to White Castle. And she's like, no, I haven't. She's like, yeah, you have. Like, I haven't. And then she beat her up for that. Um, she once spotted a mustard stain on her dress. Um, I will point out as well, the mustard stain was not on Sylvia's dress. It did not exist. None of the Banachevsky kids have ever said it did, or none of them said that they saw it. And again, she was beat for that because she accused her of eating without everyone else. Um, Sylvia's sister, Jenny, she was not spared the punishments, of course. She did have some sort of punishment sometimes, but she didn't have half as much of the abuse as her older sister had uh, had. Jenny was generally quieter and she seemed to have sort of go under the radar a lot. But personally, I think the reason why is that I think Gertrude didn't see Jenny as much of a threat since she had a leg brace on. Now, Gertrude saw Jenny's disability as something that was not to be feared. Like, she she wasn't bothered by Jenny. Um, but she looked at Sylvia, as I mentioned in part one. Jenny, uh, Sylvia is like 16 years old. She's very, very pretty. She's very, very popular with the boys and stuff. She's got a lot going for her, potentially. And then if Gertrude looks back to when she was that age, she didn't have half that sort of stuff. Like she was going to be married very, very soon and have kids. And it wasn't wasn't the same way. And I think she was jealous of her for the most part. Whereas with Jenny, I don't think she was. Now, the Banachewski house, as I have said before in part one, was like a mecca to the neighbourhood kids. Gertrude's door was hardly ever closed. They are that family in the neighbourhood. You know the ones that um, your parents always say you shouldn't be hanging around with? That kind of family? Yeah. Uh, I suppose yeah. the best way to sum it up for maybe the UK listeners is the Banachevsky family are like every single Jeremy Kyle guest in one family. This is probably the best way I could explain it. Um, Lovely. The kids are unruly. They pretty much look after themselves. Gertrude's par- parenting is very, very minimal. It's the kind of place where kids go to get cigarettes and booze. You know, like, there's like that one house. That one house that like all the kids know that's where you can go. It's that. It's mm. really that. They're like if if I could maybe like make them into one person, they're that nineteen year old who hangs outside the school gates waiting for his fourteen year old girlfriend. That's as close as I can make it if it's like, I was to personify it's a one little person. Yeah. It's that person. Like, I remember being mm-hmm. well, I remember being in year seven, right? And there was a girl, I won't know I won't I won't say her name. But there was a girl in year seven who um, she had a boyfriend who she'd talk about quite a lot. The boy was 24. Right. Now, if you've been paying attention, as James mentioned, when you're in year seven in the UK, you're about 11 years old. That's called paedophilia and is generally that is frowned upon paedophilia. in this society. If it is, yeah, 
Of course, if the story is true and she genuinely did have a boyfriend who was 24, it is paedophilia. And obviously, you're 11 years old. I don't know how much you sort of truth you can take into that. But, um, I mean, if we're in Salem in the 1600s, yeah, take it as gospel. But, um, you know, not in 2004. But anyway, yeah, there's that. So, having a house full of girls meant lots of young teenage boys were keen to come over. And Gertrude only encouraged it. She was keen on the younger man, with both her flings outside her marriage involving younger men, including her latest baby daddy, who wasn't even old enough to vote when he got her pregnant with her youngest. So it seems that she gets a bit of a kick from the attention of younger boys coming into the house. In particular, a young boy called Ricky, or Richard Ricky Hobbs. His name's Richard Hobbs, but as far as I'm aware, he was called Ricky. Now, she would often dance for Ricky, giving him fags and things like that in house. Uh, fags for American listeners is cigarettes, not not being slanderous to, you know, homosexuals or gay people. Um, I, I, I realised it as I said it. I was like, oh yeah, people don't really say fags, in, apart from in the UK, which are cigarettes for us. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, cigarette, yeah. <laughs> that fags can mean something very different to... Yeah, exactly, yeah. Fags can mean different awful things i'm not trying to be derogative they're just cigarettes in the uk uh, she'd often ply him with like cigarettes and whatnot she would dance for him seductively to music in the living room and often she would allow her shoulder strap to slip off her shoulder in front of him right now to most adult males such as yourself and me james this sort of behavior from someone particularly like gertrude might make you laugh or appear tragic right but to a young teenage boy who has likely never kissed a girl, you're going to think you're a Hugh Hefner, right? Mm. And and to someone who likes teenage boys, teenage girls are a threat. In particular, a pretty teenage girl who gets a lot of attention named Sylvia Lackens, which right. is why I think she's jealous of her and I think is sort of one of the main causes for her direction of anger and whatnot toward her. Now, Gertrude does bring up sex a lot, always asking the girls what they're up to, then telling them the dangers of sex. And Sylvia was pretty pally with Stephanie Vanichewski, which I think is the second-born child. They do get on quite well, and as far as I'm aware, Stephanie is not as involved with abuse and violence, right? However, they went to the same school together, and when a rumour about Stephanie offering sex to random boys supposedly spread by Sylvia got out, Stephanie's boyfriend was absolutely fuming. His name was Coy Hubbard. Um, and when he found out about this, he just went for Sylvia. He beat her up. He hit her. He went. His anger just went mental over this, right? Mm. Now, his anger towards Sylvia never tempered and would actually be used again when Sylvia needed gym wear for her PE lessons. Now, she asked Gertrude for money to buy PE gear, right? She didn't have any, but she was refused. But that night after school, when Sylvia came back, miraculously, she's now got a PE kit. Now, Gertrude obviously accused her of stealing, which Sylvia denied. But after enough pressure, she later admitted, yes, I had taken it. But it also seems that, like, confessing was actually far worse than to lie about it. Gertrude whipped her with a thick police belt that was left to her by her ex-husband, who himself was a police officer. She then sat her on the sofa and began lecturing her on the evils of premarital sex. Now, bear in mind, sex in any sort has not been brought up at any point at this point in this story. Sylvia's come home with a PE kit that is not hers. Like, clearly she's taken it nothing to do with sex so mm. she whips her with a belt sits her down and starts talking to her about premarital sex yeah it, i don't get it where it's coming from which was ironic of course as well considering that uh gertrude herself had become pregnant twice from her latest squeeze without being married to him so i i, I yeah i can't understand the uh the ironic logic here and then gertrude felt the need to kick Sylvia in the genitals again, screaming that you should never, ever, ever do anything with a boy. Now, Stephanie, who was friends with Sylvia, she was in the house at the time, 
she'd had the day off school she was bitten by a spider and i think she had a bit of a reaction and she wasn't feeling too good when she woke up and saw her mum just pounding on sylvia she began to cry asking her to stop when her boyfriend coy came to the house to see stephanie she saw her crying asked what was going on and gertrude then lied and said that sylvia had made her upset still angry with sylvia with the rumours that she'd spread before, Coy then helped Gertrude apply her fucked up sort of punishments. He held, um, he sort of held her down while Gertrude held lit matches to Sylvia's fingertips to get rid of her sticky fingers, all while saying, I hate you, you're ruining my life. There's a lot, there's a lot to unpack here, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, holding lit matches to someone's fingertips like that's 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 torture uh, that is that's it, uh, that's a method of torture surely it is torture and it, to a 16 year old like i don't care who you are like that's that's not nice don't do that no that's that's yeah well this, after I mean, this, this whole thing's been fucked from start to finish oh yeah and it's only going to get worse james i'm afraid sylvia and jenny were then told to pack their bags as they were heading to a juvenile detention center Neither of them would actually go, but only Jenny would be seen out in public again. Sylvia was put in the basement where she would spend the rest of her life. Now, abuse the of a child... Of, of, of what, what? Yeah. The rest of Sil- her life? Yeah, Sylvia, Sylvia was then put in the basement where she would spend the rest of her life. Right. <laughs> and I shall carry on. Now, abuse of a child, as I was saying, at any level is horrific, okay? But the things that happen to Sylvia in the basement are just, they're, they're on another level, all right? I'm not comparing or anything like that. I'm just detailing, like, what I've had to read. They're, they're, it's horrendous, okay? So it starts off, really, Sylvia was denied food and water for long periods of time. Uh, mm. She was denied access to the rest of the house, which included the bathroom. So it was inevitable that Sylvia would, on occasion, wet herself. This incurred punishment, though. Punishments could include being beaten, uh, being placed in a scalding hot bath to cleanse her, uh, and sometimes that bath would include salt water, which would then react to the cuts that she would have on her body. On one occasion, Gertrude, along with her 12-year-old son, rubbed a used diaper from the baby in the face of Sylvia to humiliate her, like full of piss and shit, full on just like they found that funny. Um... Sylvia was often kept naked in the basement. She was threatened with a knife by Gertrude, telling her to fight her on one occasion, which Sylvia was in no position to do, nor would I doubt she would do that. Gertrude, presumably struggling financially, began to start letting the neighbourhood kids come to the house and pay five cents to see the display of Sylvia now now tied up to the stair railings with her feet barely touching the floor. My God. Now, James, what would you do if you went into the basement of a house to find a 16-year-old girl, naked, tied up to the railings with cuts and bruises covering her body and remnants of urine and feces on her legs? Well, I think the first thing I'd do, Ryan, would be to get the 16-year-old girl out of the basement. Mm. Mm. And and to, to safety. Hmm. And if you were unable um, to do that right now, at least go tell someone. Yeah, or go get the police, or or I I don't know how you'd obviously I've never been in that situation, so you don't know who how you'd react. Like you could be filled with horror and just want to get them out, or you could be filled with rage and you could just fucking go crazy on Gertrude. Mm. Or mm-hmm. all, all like, and if you did, I don't think anyone would blame you for it. Yeah. Well, uh, these kids did not think to do any of those. Now. I would not have blamed them if they just ran back home and never said a word to it out of fear. I would not have blamed you for that. You're a kid. You've seen something absolutely horrendous. You run home. You just keep it to yourself. It's shock. I can get it. I understand it. I would not blame you for it. But what a lot of them did instead was get involved, James. They would kick. Right. They would punch. They would burn her and ultimately mutilate her body. And she would have a cloth gag put in her mouth to muffle her screams. This is by neighbourhood kids, a lot of them coming around. They're paying five cents to come in and like look at her in this sort of state. And some of them like would get involved. It's just sick. It's sick. And I don't understand how the kids 
why the kids felt the need to do it or get involved or why they didn't say anything. Now, mm, mm. this treatment was frequent and it lasted weeks with some kids coming back again and again. Now, one night, Gertrude allowed Sylvia to sleep upstairs with her sister so long as she had learned not to wet the bed anymore. She gave her a bowl of soup for dinner and told her to eat it with her fingers. When Sylvia tried, Gertrude took the bowl away and sent her to bed. Sylvia begged her sister Jenny to get her some water late in the night, but with her body so badly beaten, Sylvia was now incontinent and she wet the bed. When Gertrude found out, she had Sylvia brought into the kitchen with all the Banachevsky kids and at least one neighbourhood child present. She then forced Sylvia to insert a glass Coca-Cola bottle into her genitals in front of everyone. What the f- mm, This is horrible. I see what you mean. You messaged me before the episode being like, this is fucked and yeah. 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 Now, after the humiliating scene was over, Sylvia was tied back up in the basement. I I don't really have anything to sort of... I don't have a comment, really. It's just horrific. Like It's, it's just staggering, isn't it, that people are capable of this? Mm. Yeah. So a few days later, Gertrude brought Sylvia into the kitchen again. She forced her to strip naked and had 14-year-old Ricky Hobbs who had been coming around the house quite often, had him hold her down along with other Panachevsky kids. Gertrude then had an, uh, a needle heated with a match and then said to Sylvia, quotes, you branded my daughters, now I'm going to brand you. Gertrude then proceeded to scratch the heated needle across Sylvia's body, forming letters. She couldn't finish her work so left with Jenny to a store instructing Ricky Hobbs to finish the job. When he finished, the words I am a prostitute and proud of it was etched into her stomach. And she Bloody was then hell. taken down to the basement. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 horrendous. I just, I don't know what to say. Like, what the... F- yeah. I, I, yeah, it, it's not very nice. It really is not very nice at all. Uh, what I'm going to do, James, as well, quickly, um, whilst we're live, of course, uh, I'm just sending you a quick screenshot as to what that actually looked like. Uh, maybe that give you an idea of how that maybe felt for her, laying there, being held down while this I don't happened. Know if I, I've clicked on it. I don't know if I want to see this. <coughs> Oh my! Oh no! Oh, mm. yeah. So if if you That's guys if you're listening horrendous. if you want to see it, feel free to Google it. I'll not be posting that. I'm just gonna give you fair warning, like fucking hell, this is harrowing. Yeah, it's 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 uh, like if you're if you're a, a like a nervous disposition or don't like, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, I'll not be posting They've that even picture done a on the social massive media. Full stop at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I won't be posting that picture on the social media. So if you want to see it, of course you can look it up. Um, it's it. You just oh, go, so you can Google it and find well. it easily. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, you, you, she is very, very skinny. It does come up in her autopsy later on. Um, but yeah, so that was then etched on her stomach. She was then taken back down to the basement and tied up again. Now, when Gertrude, is... <laughs> yeah, when Gertrude saw Sylvia's mutilated stomach, she taunted her, saying, "Quotes." Sylvia, what are you going to do now? You can't get married now. What are you going to do? She then forced Sylvia to write a letter detailing that she had run away and was kidnapped by a bunch of boys who had beaten and abused her in such a way. To the neighbourhood kids, who were still paying five cents to see Sylvia even at this point, Gertrude had explained that she received the markings at a sex party. So... Right. <clears throat> It's here where I want to take a second to remind you all that rainbows exist. Birds chirping in the morning and the smell of fresh rain on concrete. The taste of a crisp rum and coke in the summer sun and looking out of the window of an aeroplane as you go above the clouds and get a glimpse of what heaven might look like. Wow, that was lovely. 
Now let's get back to it, shall we? Just needed a little break. The f- that was a weird. In- yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> Just needed a break yeah. from it. No. I think I might make this episode explicit. I think we might. Yeah. So, mm. the night of October twenty fifth, Sylvia tried to escape from the basement, but was caught by Gertrude, who sat her down and then tried to feed her toast. Due to extreme dehydration, Sylvia was unable to properly swallow the food. This appeared to annoy Gertrude, who then proceeded to beat Sylvia round the face with a curtain rod. Stephanie Banachevsky's boyfriend, Coy, who had already beaten Sylvia, took the rod and one more time struck her round the face, rendering her unconscious. She was then taken back down to the basement, phasing in and out of consciousness. Later in the night, Sylvia tried to scream for help. Neighbours next door say they did hear the screaming, but that it stopped abruptly at 3am, so didn't think to call the police. If they had, they might just have saved young Sylvia. On the morning of the 26th, Sylvia was unable to properly coordinate her limbs. Gertrude attempted to prop her up against a wall and feed her a donut and milk, but Sylvia was unable to then feed herself. She went into a delirious state, mumbling her words. Paula asked her to recite the alphabet, but Sylvia could only get to the letter D. Paula then told her to stand up or she would beat her more. Obviously she was unable to. All she could do was sit there and urinate herself. As morning turned to afternoon, Gertrude, her children, Jenny and Ricky Hobbs had all amassed in the basement looking at Sylvia as she was on her and she was on death's door. Gertrude requested that her son wash Sylvia down with a hose. Sylvia made a feeble attempt to escape, but Gertrude then stamped on her head and left her there in the basement. Stephanie Banachevsky, who seems to be the only one apart from Jenny who didn't take part in the abuse, tried to give Sylvia a warm bath. The only moment of kindness in that last month for Sylvia, but before she could receive that small act of kindness, she was no longer breathing. Stephanie attempted mouth-to-mouth while her mother was shouting, she's faking, she's faking. By 3.30pm, Gertrude was now panicking. She asked Ricky Hobbs to go to the police, then took Sylvia's body and placed her on the mattress upstairs. When the police arrived around an hour later, Gertrude showed them to the body and explained she had run away and came back about an hour ago clutching a note, the same note that she had forced Sylvia to write. Her little sister Jenny whispered to a police officer, get me out of here and I'll tell you everything. Gertrude, Paula, Stephanie and John Banachevsky, along with Stephanie's boyfriend Coy Hubbard and Ricky Hobbs, were all arrested on suspicion of murder. Sylvia's autopsy showed that she had suffered more than 150 separate wounds across her body in addition to being extremely underweight. These wounds included burns, severe bruising, extensive muscle and nerve damage and lacerations. Her vaginal cavity was almost swollen shut, but on closer examination showed her hymen was still intact. Now, I know that may seem like too much information, but it was important due to the fact that Gertrude's consistent accusations of Sylvia being pregnant and a prostitute were then proved false. Her fingernails were bent backwards and a large amount of her skin had either peeled off or was receding. And it was also noted that her lips had chunks missing out of them after uncontrollably biting them when losing control of her body. The official cause of death was a subdural hematoma, which is a bleed in the brain, caused from the vicious head wounds that she had inflicted the day before. The trial began on April 18th, 1966. Stephanie Banachevsky was the only one of those arrested initially who dodged any conviction. It seems that there was not enough evidence to suggest that she partook in the abuse and she then later testified against her family in court. Oh, take a bit of a break there. Uh, Have a second to digest that. This is unquestionably the most fucked up episode we've ever done. And we've talked about Mengele. (laughs) Yeah, like, this is some this is i I don't know Mm. yeah i know well luckily they've been arrested so let's um let's get on with this court case shall we let's see where it goes Mm. gertrude 
Paula, who remember was pregnant and has now had her baby in prison and then considered to name that baby Gertrude. Gertrude, Paula, John Banachewski, Coy Hubbard, Ricky Hobbs were all tried in court for first degree murder. Paula, Coy, John and Ricky all claimed they were pressured into abusing Sylvia, which is a load of horseshit. Gertrude pled not guilty by reason of insanity, but an independent psychological panel declared that they were all of sane mind when committing their crimes. Sister Jenny testified in court against all five of the defendants and didn't hide a thing. On one occasion, she began to cry when she recounted something that Sylvia had said to her. Quotes, Jenny, I know you don't want me to die, but I am going to die. I can tell it. A neighbourhood boy who had been present during Sylvia's torment smirked when he confessed to striking Sylvia between 10 to 40 times. Remember how I said some of those kids just kept coming back? Mm. This was one of them. He just kept coming back. He would pay five cents, come in, and he would just like have a go on her, punch her and whatnot. That was his entertainment. Now, Gertrude testified in her own defence, denying any responsibility for what had happened, laying the blame fully on her kids saying she was unaware of half the stuff that was happening in the house with it being such a madhouse and herself dealing with her own mental health. She denied any knowledge of any beating, scalding, branding or burning in her home. So fucking shit, man. What piece of shit. Richard Ricky Hobbs, he testified against Gertrude. Uh, He did not deny his involvement in branding Sylvia, but he did claim that his efforts, although drawing blood, were light. Bellend. You've now seen the pictures, James, and they're not light. Mm. Marie Banachewski, she testified against her own mother. She broke down in tears, stating that Gertrude was the main culprit, although the others were complicit. She recalled a time where Gertrude just sat there and crocheted while a neighbourhood girl attacked Sylvia. John Banachewski, Richard Ricky Hobbs and Coy Hubbard were all found guilty of manslaughter and they were sentenced to serve between 2 to 21 years in the Indiana Reformatory. They all served less than two years before being granted parole. Fuck off. Yeah. Ricky Hobbs, he would later go on to die four years later at the age of 21 due to lung cancer. It sounds horrible, but I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'll live. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Coy Hubbard, the boyfriend of Stephanie... He went back to his home like before, um, didn't try to change anything in his life, he wasn't that fussed. Uh, he was in and out of jail for various crimes throughout his life. Uh, in 2007, uh, when the film that is based on these true events came out, if you're interested, it's called An American Crime, it's not brilliant. Uh, he was fired from his job in 2007 when uh, it came out that he was part of it, because um, he, he never thought to change his name. Or anything like that. So when the film came out, they went, that was you. Yeah. And he lost his job 2007. He later died that year at the age of 56. So he lived a longer Again, time. Again, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm glad that he had a miserable end to his life as well. Yeah. Uh, John Banachewski, uh, the 12-year-old who um, would shove the spoiled nappy in Sylvia's face. John mm. Banachewski changed his name to John Blake. And he became what's called a lay minister. So it's like a minister for a church, but you're not a religious one. Um, he became right. a lay, he became a lay minister and hosted counselling sessions for children of divorced parents. He would own up to his involvement of the murder, um, but he later died from diabetes in 2005, aged 52. So maybe he turned a corner. I don't know about that one. Yeah, I mean, who's 12? Um, ugh, I don't know. This is the thing with the kids' side to it. Like I've said before, Look, Gertrude's almost made it like a game for these kids. Mm. It's a fucked up game that maybe they're just not... But then, at the age of 11 and 12, you still have that ability to go, well, this is wrong. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I can't understand it, really. I've... Uh, Paula Banachewski, the first, the eldest Banachewski child, uh, she was found guilty of second-degree murder for her involvement. She was sentenced to life imprisonment, but she was later paroled in 1972 a mere what five years later yeah she changed her name to paula pace and she worked as an assistant to a school counselor for 14 year olds 
these people should not be allowed near children. Yeah. Well, the reason why she got this job is that she hid her previous life from her new employer. But when they found out, they fired her in 2012. Oh, so she was there for a fucking long time, though. As far as I'm aware, she was. Now, supposedly she is still alive. Uh, she's married. She has two children. Although um, the one that she birthed in 1966 while she was in jail was adopted and doesn't live with her. Good. Fucking good. Dodged a bullet. Eh? Uh, mm. Now, Gertrude Vanichewski, she was found guilty of first degree murder and was sentenced to life imprisonment. However, she would serve 20 years in prison and would be released in 1985. She changed her name to Nadine Van Fossen and she relocated to Iowa where she would live out the rest of her life. She died five years later in 1990 of lung cancer aged 61. I hate that she managed to live the last five years on her terms. Yeah, she got the opportunity to change her name and like try and live some life. What state was this in originally, sorry? Indiana. Where did the murder The death penalty is not in Indiana, is it? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, yes, I think it is. The death penalty was on the table for a brief period, um, but they right. they were for the most part were being tried all together, and that, it, it's quite confusing the whole trial thing. At one point, they you can't all, convict kids to death. Uh, it's something like that. Uh, so then they were being tried separately, and then I think I'm not entirely sure how it went, but yeah. The death penalty was I mean, taken off the table. I, I I disagree with capital punishment. I think we've had this discussion before. I don't think it should be the case. But if it was given to Gertrude, I would not really argue it. I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, you'd be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I'm still against capital punishment. But if it's got to happen to someone, then you're a fucking prime candidate. Mm. Well, luckily she did die. She died of lung cancer. Uh, not wishing that yeah. on anyone, but I'm hoping that it wasn't a nice end. Uh, oh yeah, I hope it was painful. Uh, Jenny, uh, Sylvia's younger sister, Jenny went on to marry an Indianapolis local. She went on to have two children herself. Uh, when she found out about Gertrude's death, she cut the obituary out of a newspaper and sent it to her mother with a note saying, quote, Some good news. Damn old Gertrude died. Ha ha ha. I am happy about that. I hope Jenny's living a good life. Jenny Jenny died in 2004, aged 54, from a heart attack, unfortunately. Mm, well, I, ho- I hope she had a good life up until that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, the horror house where it all happened was demolished in 2009 and is now a car park for a church. Right. Well, I, I think it's good that the house is gone. Yeah. Uh, and what uh, a fucked that up concludes story. it, yeah. Part one, I won't lie to you, I was a bit like, where's this going? Like, Mm. it's a bit, there's a lot of names going on, it's a bit confusing. This was all just a bit a million miles an hour, like... Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm definitely making this episode explicit, and if you've made it to the end, like, we're still here with you, and holy fucking Christ. Mm. Yeah. If you've made it to the end and you've not had to pause it, you get a gold star. (laughs) That is because when you were saying like I'm struggling to research this, I thought you just couldn't find information, and now I'm starting to think that maybe like it's just really fucking difficult to talk about this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it part of the reason why I said I wanted to just take a little bit of a break from it because I, I was just reading so much about this and having to try and write it and almost um, visualize it in my own head, trying to build this narrative that I can write so that we can tell you guys this story in a coherent manner. It, you know, mm. it, I just needed a break from it, so we went, we went, took a break, and talked about philosophy. <laughs> yeah, we've spoke about the Holocaust, Mengele, serial killers, child rapists. We've we've spoke about like the whole fucking lot of them, and this episode is without question the one that I think has affected me the most. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. It's it's definitely one that for me personally has been uh, it's been tough to write. <laughs> I think it's just because it's so personal. It's just on one victim. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was it um uh, in a weird way. Sorry, sorry for doing this everyone. But to quote Joseph Stalin, um well, I think I quoted Mussolini last week, so No, you did, didn't you? Up. You did. <laughs> yeah. To quote Joseph Stalin, one man's death is a tragedy, a million deaths is a statistic. 
And so when we've it's spoke true. about World War Two and whatnot, I think it's very, very easy for us to sort of be quite blasé and brush over you a lot lo- of you these lose stuff. The connection. Yeah, and obviously with this story, we are it's, it's mainly one victim, and we can get personal one, with her. One young girl who never did anything wrong ever. Yeah, yeah, she never did. So yeah, I, I bet her parents felt so guilty. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They did. Jenny later on in life did say that her parents are not to blame in any way. They should not feel guilty or anything like that. She did her best to try and console the parents. Uh, they 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 lived to 2013, I think. They died. Uh, oh, so they outlived Jenny. Yeah, they outlived their daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Fucking vile. I don't think I want to watch that film that you mentioned. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you fancy anyone, it's not a bad film. It 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 doesn't have half the information that we've mentioned in this episode, and that's why I don't like it. Right. Um, but then again, it's a Hollywood film, so it's going to have cut out a lot. Yeah, because they need to make it accessible. They need to make money off of it. Yeah, they do need to make money out of it. Um, but yeah, if you are interested in it, um, there is a uh, what was it? There's a book that I was using. I completely forgot what the bloody book is called now. <laughs> that's a really good start. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, uh, you can. The, there are books on it, um, films, money. You can find lots of information if you are interested and want to find out a wee bit more about it yourself. Uh, maybe look in a bit more in depth into the trial and how that went. It is. It's it's long. Um, mm. But yeah, that's the story of Sylvia Likens and her unfortunate death, murder, really, how she was murdered. Yeah, torture that led to murder. That is just fucking horrible. Mm. Well, I'm glad you've enjoyed it. Uh, I hope everyone listening has, you know, as relatively speaking, enjoyed these. I think "enjoy" is a, a weird word to use, isn't it? Like intrigued, I guess. Yeah, I hope it's intrigued your interest or not pricked your interest. I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, that's the story. Thank you very much for listening. Um, oh fuck. Yeah. Well, next week we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go nice. We're gonna we're gonna. It's got yeah. I don't know. I'll, it'll be one. Of, I'll research it. I don't know who it's gonna be, but it's gonna be fucking lovely. Yeah. We're gonna have a good time. Yeah. Exactly. It's gonna be rainbows. It's gonna be all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Like a uh, little break in the episode. It's, it, we, we're gonna be nice next week, and then uh, we can go back to regular shit <laughs> again afterwards. Yeah. Christ, I don't think we'll ever get anything like this though that was i can't believe i've never heard of this before no never no neither would i it was a recommendation to me thank you jenna for recommendation on that one um so yeah 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 it's it's a story to be told definitely um so Mm. yeah thank you very much for listening um join us next week when we will get a bit light again (laughs) we need Mm. we need some light now after all this heavy shit um quickly i'd like to say if you don't already follow us on the socials um you can find that on our link tree if you want to like you find us on like instagram first it's probably the best way to do it just type in that's wpd and then from there on our bio you can find a link tree that i've managed to create and on there it's got loads of links to our social media stuff find us on social media listen to us on all the platforms uh if you are on apple podcasts if you could be so kind as to review us give us five stars maybe say that we're quite good maybe say this was the worst episode i think i've ever listened to and i'm never going to listen to it ever <laughs> again but that is enough for me um so yeah, give us a review if you have the time to um also uh, quickly if you uh, wait if you have a recommendation for us do feel free to just message us in any platform maybe not the gmail i don't like saying it anymore so we're maybe going to look at a new one i don't know but what i would like to do is take just a quick second to thank those people who have uh, donated um on to the ko-fi page to our ko-fi page um as i've said before it, we don't do we we don't really fancy doing patreon what we don't want to do is have a fucking subscription uh, where like your hard-earned money is then some of it siphoned off to us like we can be and purely because we don't have anything really more to offer yeah exactly we don't really have much more kind in terms of what of you see is what you get yeah we don't have exclusive content also like we can be a bit slapdash with some like schedules and time uh was it what's the deadlines and stuff like that we can be late every now and then yeah. so like please don't don't do we're not we don't want to do that so we're not asking for your money um, but if ever you feel the need to say, oh, do you know what? I quite like this uh, podcast. It's quite cool. Uh, I might chuck them a couple of quid. Um, feel free to do that. You can find us uh, ko-fi.com forward slash that's what people do. Uh, or go on our link tree. There's a link to it there. Uh, so yeah, shout out to those who have donated. Uh, I think just off the top of my head, um, Sam, uh, Kat, 
Jenna, Faye, um, Diane. Uh, I, if I've forgotten one, I th- um, if I've forgotten one, I'm, I'm ever so sorry. Um, but I will get back to this at some point. So yeah, thank you everyone who has donated so far. Um, if you fancy chucking us a couple of quid, go for it. That'd be really, really helpful. And uh, yeah, I think that's everything. <laughs> Anything else to bring up, James? Yes, there is actually. Uh, so, a new podcast is on the horizon. Oh, hey! Which I feel like maybe we'll give it a bit of time. Time, Just a little... I feel weird about doing it after this episode because it is so fucking polar opposite yeah. to what this episode was. <laughs> but I think <clears throat> we find ourselves in a time now where... I don't know how, how it is in other countries, but in England we find ourselves in a time where the schools are closed. And uh, obviously this uh, podcast is meant to be educational. At some points we'll get bits wrong. That's just what happens. But it's mainly aimed at adults. I'm sure you're fucking aware after what you've just listened to. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a new podcast called A Little Bit of History has been set up. And it is all about talking about historical figures, historical events, and all all things through history. I'm not going to lie to you, mainly British history. So it, we're, we're focusing on British curriculum mainly. So if you want to go follow the socials of that, uh, just type in A Little Bit of History podcast into any of the Twitters, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you youths use today, and we'll come up. The first episode is aimed to be out on Monday. They're around 10, 15 minutes each, and it's literally just covering generally what's on the British curriculum in history, and we'll probably delve into a little bit of English at some point as well. I just wanted to give that a bit of a shout-out. And who do we have hosting, James? So hosting, uh, a very good friend of mine called Tabitha. She uh, has been working outrageously hard to get this podcast started, so kudos to her and her brother as well has done absolute bits with the logo if you're american absolute bits means he's done very well with the logo (laughs) so yes uh, i think monday will be uh her and i and then obviously uh ryan and jenna are involved as well and yeah it's just kind of setting up like a little podcast network which is quite nice but it is mainly aimed at younger kids however if you are a parent who would like to know what your kids are doing in school i think it could be quite useful because we'll just condense the information and make it quite simple unfortunately we can't help with maths homework because you wouldn't want me doing that (laughs) yeah 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 uh yeah no that's that's great um uh yeah so look out for that a brand new podcast coming soon with some fantastic hosts you've got james you've got tabitha i shall be appearing every now and then and we shall also have a new host called jenna appearing every now and then as well so yeah look out for that and also my brother wants to get oh, involved yes. he's a genuine historian yeah. like an actual fucking historian we've, we've so enlisted an actual fucking historian have, yeah so if you have any um problems with the information fucking at him it's nothing to do with me <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, as uh, I suppose, well, uh, first episode will be coming out real soon. So uh, what we will do when next, that's what people do, episode comes out next week, uh, we will be able to give you a bit more fucking information on that and then get you to, hmm. if you fancy, of course, if you've got kids at school, particularly if you're in the UK, if you've got kids at school, they're homeschooling, if they've got to do history or whatnot, you know, maybe check it out, find out what they're sort of doing. We're going on the British curriculum, so we're sticking with that yeah um, yeah so check that it's, out but if you are i don't know what the, but the thing is we're not if you are american or if you're in germany or australia i don't know wherever you find yourself in the world if you have something on your curriculum that let's be honest you can't be bothered to sit there and read pages and pages on the internet for for your kids or if you are a kid and you've listened to this episode for some reason don't know why you have but god help you and just just drop with us an email there uh messages on any messages on this um socials that ryan mentioned whatever it'll get to us either way and we'll be happy to cover that for you yeah yeah and hooray for the That's What People Do Network being born. Well, hey. We've been discussing it for a while. We have. We have. It's something we wanted to do. We've said in 2021 we want to start to expand, maybe get a few more potties under the belt. Uh, if you guys listening, if you, if you maybe a few UK-based, that would probably be a little bit easier. Uh, you want to start a new podcast, maybe I have mean, a chat with easy. us. We're doing this remotely. So even if you're in Japan and you want to get involved, I don't think anything will change. Exactly, we're doing this remotely. So, um, if you we're approaching our podcast, one year anniversary of being remote. Exactly, we are. It's mad, isn't it? Um, yeah, we're all right. Like, oh, for a few months, we'll we'll just do it over the phone. A year yeah. has passed, and it's not getting but any better. It's not getting any better, but but we're doing okay. The pod's doing okay. The the quality is okay. Yeah, yeah, we're getting we're we're, we're on the rise. I just hope everyone's health is also on the rise and staying nice and healthy. Look after yourselves mm. out there. 
Yeah, look after yourselves. All right, everyone. Um, thank you very much for listening to this episode. Um, go, go cheer yourselves up. Go do whatever it is you need to do. Oh, to God, go, cheer go up. have a hot chocolate or just fucking put on happy feet or something. Yeah, go go Christ, watch YouTube videos of puppies or something for a bit. Uh, make yourself feel good. Uh, hug your loved ones. Uh, do whatever else you want to do. And join us next week where we'll talk about something nice to freshen us all up again. Get us back to where we were started. We spoke about Dashrath Manji, someone who'd done something absolutely amazing. It's done so much good for so many people. Next week, we're going to yeah. go back to it. We're going to do something nice, all right? Humanity so join us next varied. week when we do that, all right? Uh, thank you very much for listening. See you next week, everyone. Bye-bye. See you next week.